typically we are in um, a book of a Bible, um, not always um, in succinction. You know, we don't just go book by book, but we are in Genesis right now. Um, and next week we'll be starting up in Genesis 30 um, and kind of breaking that down. Uh, is it 30 and 31 that you're doing next week? Okay, yeah, so 30 and 31. Uh, but I want to take a poll from this awesome audience. It's a really good sample size. Uh, Christmas music, um, you know, you have three choices. Don't raise your hand yet, but, you know, do you throw out the Christmas music the minute you turn, or Christmas is over? You just, like, turn it off and say, bah humbug and get out of here? Um, or do you let it linger a little bit into the new year? Um, or do you have a, you know, a radio station playlist you probably play frequently? Um, and so we'll go, uh, th- those are the options by a show of hands. Who, who throws out Christmas music immediately after people leave? Okay, I got, I got a few. All right. I knew that would happen. Um, what about letting it linger into the new year? You kind of just let it play. That's, that's probably my, my point. Okay, well, how about those Christmas enthusiasts? Okay, yeah, all right. Um, again, I almost dated myself. You know, you get on XM radio. That was the only way you could get Christmas music all year round. Um, but now you got everything else. Um, but that's a good poll. Um, and part of that poll, um, again, is, you know, I don't blame anyone for wanting to get rid of the Christmas music. Um, you know, once the door closes, you turn it off. Um, but I find it interesting, right, that we, at just it's our human nature to kind of move on really quickly, okay? And we always want to move into something new, or we have seasons of life, like Christmas is almost over, um, and we, we move on, right? And, you know, we, we go from what we call an Advent season, which, you know, Advent in Latin means, you know, uh, coming or preparing for the, the Messiah to come. Um, and, you know, that's, that's really interesting because, you know, we go from preparing to hustling and saying, hey, we need to make new things happen in the new year, um, this year, 2022. But I'm going to rewind just really quick. We're not going to stay here forever. But, you know, Advent, again, is uh, just preparing for Christ. And he came yesterday. We celebrated it on the 25th of December. Um, but, you know, Advent is typically a four-week period of time where we are preparing to our hearts and minds, and reminded about Christ. Um, we don't really exercise that here at Aletheia, um, although maybe we should, so Joel, write that down. Um, but, you know, at my house, you know, we, we have a countdown calendar. We have a um, kind of this magnetic metal sheet, which is like a nativity scene, and every day we pull out a little piece from the nativity scene, and it sticks to it, and we read through a, a quick little passage um, and we pray together, and it's, it's usually chaotic with all my children. Um, but, you know, and this year we added a Lego countdown calendar. Where we took out a little piece of Lego, and we put it together and put it on there. That had nothing to do about Christ, uh, but it was fun. Um, and some of us eat uh, from the Advent calendar. Uh, but maybe you have it, the Advent, you know, preparing for Christ, represented through a presentation of four candles. That's what we usually see, right? Four different candles that represent um, and speak to themes of hope, joy, lo- or sorry, hope, love, joy, and peace um, that's coming to earth through the birth of Christ. Um, the Messiah is coming, and that happened yesterday. Um, and when we have Christmas in this season, a whirlwind of emotions happen, right? We have a bunch of joy, laughter. Some of us are nauseous because we ate so much food. Um, some of us go take a nap. We have heartfelt goodbyes. Uh, maybe some of us um, ha- are waiting for family to come in, you know, post-Christmas to experience Christmas again. Um, that happens to us. Uh, but, you know, there's remnants of a good time of preparation 
Um, all around the house, if you're like us, we have pieces of bows and wrapping paper still sitting on the floor, uh, maybe even broken toys already that Dad says he'll promise he'll fix, but they won't be fixed, right? Um, and, you know, again, we have these reminders. They, they come up for us every year. But in our society, um, I don't know how many of you received an email this morning saying, hey, we know exactly where you can spend your Christmas money. We know exactly what you need for the new year, right? Receiving uh, emails that have what we call resolutions, okay? Funny story, um, real quick, about resolutions, New Year's resolutions. Um, you know, I can be a little combative. I can be a little challenging to people. Um, and, you know, I like to fight against certain norms. Usually I'm fine, but sometimes there's something that just builds up in me where I want to poke the bear. Um, some appreciate it and some find it irritating, usually the ones that um, I like to get in a little spat with um, and question their motives. Um, I don't know. It's just, it's bred in me internally. You probably can relate. Um, it's, it can be a good thing, and sometimes it can be a bad thing. Uh, but I like a good fight once in a while. And, you know, and growing up, I used to think that the, <laughs> the word um, New Year's resolution was something different. And there's this story. Uh, when I was a teenager, I was hanging out with my parents. We were around the kitchen island. You know, and I took a piece of paper like this, and it had some writing on it and terrible, you know, script because I was a teenager. My handwriting is a little bit better now. But, you know, I threw it down, and my dad goes, what's that? And I was like, what do you mean? He's like, what's that piece of paper? You know, and I threw it on the, on the counter, and I was like, well, these are my New Year's revolutions. <laughs> and my mom started laughing and smirking, and I was like, what? Well, she's like, well, there's two things, son. It's, one, it's resolutions. And you would say revolutions, because I was always looking for a battle. We're always looking for a battle. Um, and, you know, she'd say, Manuel. Uh, Manuel's my real name, but um, I go by Manny, and she'd go, Manuel. I know you'd have these revolutions. You just love to pick at everything. You like to improve certain things, um, which is interesting. But, you know, resolutions, they can be a lot of pressure, can't they? You know, you meet some people, they, they don't just pull out a piece of paper or a little notebook. They pull out like this scroll, right? A scroll of different ways of execution. It's like a military document with policies and procedures and exit strategies for the whole year, maybe five years, right? And there's nothing wrong with that, but... That, that can be intimidating for some of us because some of us just say, well, uh, listen, I'm, I'm just hoping to eat really good food and not die. Okay, I'm hoping not to die. And that, that's a good resolution. I think we should all have that goal and eat good food. That's, that's the standard for most people. Uh, but, you know, we, we like to set goals for ourselves. We like to think forward. That's just within our nature. And, and so what is a resolution? It's, it, it's making a firm decision of what you are going to do and not do, right? And so as we go from this season of expecting and, and waiting for the coming of, of Christ, now he's here, we say, okay, we, we say, what's next? You know, figuratively speaking, as a church, we move on. Um, and I want to take a moment, you know, to say there's nothing wrong with goals or resolutions or dreams. Um, I am definitely one of those. If you ask anyone, I'm my page is full of thoughts, and, you know, my hope is I just, like, hit at least 25% of those uh, most of the time. Um, but what I want to do today is, is encourage us as a body, you know, to saying let's make our resolutions or revolutions, you know, being kingdom-minded and not self-minded. And there's a few things that we can do about that, and we'll 
goes with some scripture to reflect on it. Uh, but it can be tricky, right? And this sermon is not a self-help sermon. It's not a message to say, hey, this is how you're going to make your life better. Or, you know, hey, we're going to, you know, you know, hype our kids off of Mountain Dew and we're going to go do this mission as a church. No, it's, it's about, you know, saying, hey, what, what do we need to do to get in the right posture as Christ has come and we, we want to see where he is going to be taking us? And I don't have any answers to that, by the way. I'm not saying I, I know where God is taking us other than what he asks us to be obedient in. And so we're going to be looking at what it means to have a good posture as those that seek God to please him in the year of 2022 or whatever that may be. You know, we kind of do ourselves a disservice of just, you know, kind of taking a book and saying, hey, this was my chapter of 2021. This was my terrible chapter of 2020 and 2019. Therefore, you know, and we just bookend it. That's sometimes how we summarize things. Have you ever had a conversation with someone trying to figure out their life and they say, well, this year in 2089, that'd be really far. 1989, this happened and, and then therefore all these other things. And people will name things in seasons. Um, that's just the way we systematize things. Um, and we actually even do that in the Bible. Sometimes uh, the, the word when it was canonized and our publishers have done us a really good service by organizing the Bible for us so that we can read it and you know, glean from it, but sometimes that can actually take away from the depth and the richness of it. If you look at certain headers, the scripture was just kind of all together in certain areas. Um, obviously, it's broken up thematically and everything else, but again, what we want to do is, is say, okay, God, as you, we were preparing for Jesus, now we need to actually prepare our hearts of what, what he's doing. And so let's just take a quick minute. We're going to pray, um, and then we'll jump into some scripture. Heavenly Father, we, just, we love you. We thank you for an amazing time over this Christmas year, just reflecting on your son coming to earth for us through Mary and just the incredible story of um, what Christmas is all about. And Lord, as we go into a new year, Will we just be reminded of, of what you really call us to, uh, that we won't be distracted by the world and what they tell us we should be worrying about, but what you, you care about. And I pray that for our hearts. I pray that for our minds. Um, and I pray that for our church, the global church, that we could be a great witness this year of what it means to realign ourselves to, to your heart and not our own. pray this in your name. Amen. All right, real quick, you don't have to turn here, but if you want already, if you have a Bible, we're going to be actually in Luke um, chapter 3 for the most part, but um, I just have a few uh, summary things here. Um, in Hosea 10, 12 through 13, verse 12 says, Sow righteousness for yourselves and reap the fruit of unfailing love and break up your unplowed ground, for it is time to seek the Lord until he comes and showers his righteousness on you. Okay, so what's happening in Hosea is he's saying, hey, there's certain things that need to happen here. The untilled or unplowed ground, uh, you, you may have a version that actually says fallowed ground, which just means that this ground is getting prepared, right? The foundation is being prepared for you. Um, and it's talking about a word we, we sometimes use called cultivating. Again, preparation. We, in the same way, we should be preparing our hearts. Uh, my family, we grew up, uh, I did not grow up, my family 
grew up on the eastern plains in the western uh, eastern plains of Colorado on the western side of Nebraska and South Dakota. Um, it's very country and very rural. Um, there was a lot of farming and ranching that was going on. Um, I know nothing about it because I was younger and I was fortunate enough to be a city boy at best. Uh, probably really, I'm a product of suburban living. Um, but I did have a, an elementary understanding of different seasons for farming and ranching, right? You had your planting seasons, you had your idle times, you had your harvesting. There's more technical terms that come with it, but it would go in these seasons that would sometimes go with the weather. Um, but what was always happening when we talk about farming and ranching was cultivating. They always had to be prepared for the next thing. They always had to get soil ready for the next season. They were cultivating. They were preparing for whatever happened. And here's the thing. It would happen over and over again. They would prepare the soil. They would prepare for the harvest. In the midst of it all, you know, it was a, a great tale of how um, there were certain things that you could be absolute about. And also, you know, my, my uncle would always say, well, it was never the same every day. I had never dealt with the same thing every day, although they're always preparing the same way. I always thought that was somewhat unique and interesting. I think that can relate to us. A, re a refreshing thing, though, um, you know, I'd go out and see my family, and we'd hang out in the, you know, around the, the kitchen table. We were always eating a ton of really good food. Um, and I would always hear these conversations as a young boy about how, you know, certain years would be prosperous, and certain years would be really rough, almost so rough that they weren't sure if the, the place would make it anymore. Um, I didn't really understand uh, other than you know, the language they were using, but for the most part, there was always opportunities for new things, for, for things to kind of be redone, if you will. And you know, I remember always, them always saying, you know, well, it's a new year, and we can, all, we can only hope Okay? And even on good, good things that happen, if they had a prosperous year, they would never you know, take it for granted because they knew that these seasons would change for them. Now, it's, it's time for us, too, to, to be thinking that way of, okay, what is God saying that we need to prepare for our hearts now that we know that we have Christ? You know, as we prepare, you know, it's not just a one-time thing. And that's unfortunately what society does, Right? You, you kind of set your goals, you try to make it happen, December rolls around, it's chaotic, it's crazy, and then we just do it again. That's what society usually teaches us. Um, preparing our hearts is a regular thing all the time. We always need to be prepared. I like to describe it more of like a natural rhythm that God has given us to draw back to him time and time again. Okay, so sometimes it's not just well, on this date, this is going to happen. Um, and on this date, this is what I'm going to prepare. Like, we always have to be preparing. We always need to be cultivating and be praying about that. And there is a warning, though, uh, from Hosea. So I said 12 and 13. Verse 13, it says, But you have planted wickedness. You have reaped evil. You have eaten the fruit of deception because you have depended on your own strength and on your own many warriors. Okay, so again, a warning of saying, Hey, I want you to seek righteousness of, of my heart, not yours. And what's happening, though, is we get pulled into that trap. We get pulled into that a lot of the times. You know, and, and the beauty is, though, is that we no longer have to, you know, always look at it as, you know, we're wicked flesh because we do have Christ. 
because he has given us a spirit of discernment. He ha- his spirit is present with us. And the world wants to drag us down and lead us down a path of despair um, and self-righteousness and sin. And these, the, all these things happen for us, right? And that's why it's so important to be prepared, to con- cultivate our hearts, to prepare our hearts. And as we prepare to gain a new posture, okay, a refreshed pro- posture, um, God, we need to ask God, like, what is the new way that you have for me? What is something new that you have for me? Now, open up your Bibles to Luke 3. And I think this is exciting because basically what happens at the end of Luke chapter 2, or in the middle of Luke chapter 2, is, you know, Jesus is born. Everyone celebrates. It's a really good time. Um, Jesus is growing up as a young boy. Um, There's this really cool account towards the end of Luke 2 about Jesus, you know, as he's growing in the wisdom of the Lord um, as a child. Um, the next thing that happens, you don't really hear much about Jesus, at least in the account from Luke, um, is John the Baptist, again, is preparing the way. So let's get our eyes on Luke chapter 3, verse 4. Okay, and we, we sh- most of us should know who John the Baptist is, though, right? He's cousin of Jesus, and he is preparing the way for the Lord. And it says from a reference from Isaiah in verse 4, it says, a voice of one calling in the desert, prepare the way for the Lord. Make straight paths for him. Every valley shall be filled and every mountain and hill made low. The crooked roads shall become straight and rough ways smooth and all mankind will see God's salvation. John said to the crowd coming out to be baptized by him, you brood of vipers, who warned you to flee from the coming wrath? says, produce fruit in keeping with repentance, and do not begin to say to yourselves, we have Abraham as our father. For I tell you that out of these stones, God can raise up children for Abraham. The axe is already at the root of the tree, that every, and every tree that does not produce good fruit will cut down, be cut down and thrown into the fire. Okay, so what is happening here is, again, John is working on hard hearts to be ready for the good news, right? He's working on on hard hearts to receive the good news. He's cultivating. He's preparing. And and you'll notice, though, this is the fun part. In verse 10, it says, what should we do then? The crowd asked, okay? And then John answered the uh, the man with two tunics, you should share with him who has none, and the one who has food should be do the same. Verse 12, the tax collectors also came to be baptized. And teacher, they said, they asked, what should we do? Don't collect any more than you are required to. And then some of the soldiers asked him, and what should we do? And he replied, don't extort money and don't accuse people falsely. Be content with your pay. Interesting thing here is that the first thing that John does is, is he's calling these hard hearts to repentance. All right, he's calling these hard hearts to repentance, to say, hey, change your, your ways. Um, someone read Isaiah 64, verse 6. We have all become like one who is unclean, and all our righteous deeds are like a polluted garment. 
They all fade like a leaf, and our iniquities, like the wind, take us away. Right. So again, we all have become like one who is unclean, and all our righteous acts are like filthy rags. And we all shrivel up like a leaf, and like the wind, our sins sweep us away. So again, he's, he's saying, your, your ways are not enough. Now, there's a story about David, and, you know, we've heard this many times, I believe, that, um, you know, he had an affair with Bathsheba and a child, and he was actually called out on his actions. Um, and I'm not going to read the whole thing of Psalm 51, but I just want to hear a few verses that, that where David is feeling that call led, led back to repentance. And his first, the verse first says, Have mercy on me, O God, according to your unfailing love, according to your great compassion. Blot out my transgressions. Later on, it says, Create in me a pure heart, this is verse 10, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. Okay, these, these are prayers of repentance and acknowledging okay, that we have a need for a Savior. That's what John is doing. He's preparing a way. And that's, that's something we need to do all the time. Again, continue to cultivate. Continue to, to ask God to work in us in that. Okay? Now, notice, we're going to go back to Luke 3. Um, that story, okay, so he calls everyone. He, he says some pretty harsh words, pretty hard things to soften the hearts of the heart hearted. Okay? Verse, basically, that verse 3 through the end of 9 is just a call to, hey, like, you need to change your ways or you're going to, you're, gonna, you're actually going to have to deal with those consequences. Then you notice the curiosity of everyone, and a lot of them say, well, then what should we do? Right? He, he kind of takes a blow at them, and he's asking them to, you know, reflect. And the first one is, what should we do then? And then John answered, the man with two tunics, okay, should share with him who has none, and the one who has food should do the same. What this is a call to, to reflect on our generosity for a minute, to reflect on our generosity. He's, someone had asked him, he said, hey, you have two tunics. You only really need one. There's nothing wrong with having a tunic, but you're not really being generous with it. Hey, you have enough food to give to the poor and the needy. We should give that away. Not be stingy about it, okay? It's, it, it's a call for us to reflect, have we lived in generosity. And what does it mean to live generously? Okay? I, this can be tough, and I've actually had a lot of great debates about, with people about this, but when we live generously, it's, it, we actually give out of our needs, not just our surplus. Okay? We don't just give um, saying, oh, I have enough here, like, you can have this. Okay? That's not a sacrificial gift. That's not living in generosity. Gen that generosity is saying, I trust the Lord enough that I know this person needs it more than I do. We give out of our needs. The next one, John answered the man with the tunic. Then in verse 12 it says, Tax collectors also came to be baptized. And they said, Teacher, what should we do? Okay? Teacher, what should we do? Um, and he answers, Don't collect any more than you're required to. Again, sorry to break it to you. Taxes aren't bad. Sorry. But, you know, these tax collectors, what they were doing is they were collecting taxes and telling people they owed more than what was really supposed to be paid to the government, and they were keeping it from themselves. Okay, so we also we need to you know, reflect on our generosity. We also need to reflect on our, on our own integrity. 
People knew those things were happening, but they weren't going to get thrown in jail for it, so they were just going to do it. But isn't it cool like how God already is working on the hearts of these people to, for them to realize that they're not living accordingly, right? They're living in, in some form of sin. And he says, hey, this is how you should live from here. Act in integrity. The next one, then some soldiers asked him, and what should we do? And he replied, don't extort money and don't accuse people falsely and be content with your pay. What was happening was these guards and soldiers were basically taking advantage of the authority and power they had for financial gain typically, but also just for their own power, for their own fame. And again, John knew these things were happening. Everyone knew these things were happening, but they didn't know what to do. And so we reflect on our generosity. We reflect on our integrity. We also need to reflect on how are we stewarding our authority? How are you stewarding your authority? Everyone here has a certain position of power. Some of us are leaders of a church. Some of us are leaders of a group. Some of us are leaders of our families, parents. Some of us have a certain influence in the groups that we're around. Some of us have, you know, career responsibilities. How are we stewarding that authority? I think we all know when that authority gets manipulated for our own gain. These are things we should be asking of the Lord, saying, God, where, where am I manipulating this for my own gain, for my own power? Especially at the workplace, because that's a little bit easier. But those are things that, that, again, that help posture us towards the heart of God and his kingdom. This is what John is preparing the way for us. And, you know, again, he's coming guns blazing, uh, and notice, he, but he's not really shaming people. He's just being very straightforward. It's up to them how they respond. Shaming, again, is just another way of manipulating someone to do that. But he's helping them, again, recognize a need for a Savior. And we'll just read through the end of this uh, first section, uh, verse 15. And so the people were waiting expectantly and were wondering in their hearts if this might be, if John might be the Christ, right? That he would be the Messiah. And John answered them all. Again, this is where he actually is a good steward of his authority because he knew his purpose. He says, look, I baptize you with water, but one more powerful than I will come, the thongs of whose sandals I am not worthy to untie. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. His winnowing fork is in his hand to clear his threshing floor and to gather the wheat into this barn but he will burn up the chaff with unquenchable fire. And with many other words, John exhorted the people and preached the good news to them. Again, he's preparing the way. He's softening hearts. Um, and actually for this, um, you'll notice in verse 19, it says, when John rebuked Herod, uh, the, the Petrarch, or sorry, the Tetrarch, because of Herodias, his brother's wife, and all the other evil things he had done, Herod added this to them all, and he locked John up in prison and eventually be, had him beheaded. Okay, so... John is coming boldly, just speaking truth um, that sometimes can be offensive for us. Manny, how dare you tell me to be a good steward of my authority? How dare you tell me to be generous? It's not me telling you this is what Scripture is talking about. This is how we get prepared for new things and what God is doing. Now, that, that would probably be the command. And again, what, I, we could break down John 3. It's a pretty fun uh, thing to be looking at, but... He calls us to repent and he calls us to reflect 
on those things. And we need to be doing it all the time, not just once a year, okay? Um, but there are some other suggestions that I have, um, and I just kind of kept with the theme of ours uh, because, you know, we're, I'm a pastor and I'm allowed to do that. Uh, but so, you know, we're, we're called to repentance, we're called to reflect, um, but this is how we get renewed, okay? We get renewed by actually resting. This time of year is one of my favorite times of year because um, there's really not as much to do for most people. Now, some of us can be busy. Um, I hate to break it to you, but sometimes we put the busyness on our own plate, and I'm definitely guilty of that, right? But we put the busyness on our own plate. Uh, but we have um, a way to be renewed, and part of that is being restful. God wants us to rest so that we can rest in him. So maybe we can actually even think about those things, like, hey, where do I need to repent? Hey, where, where do I need to reflect on these certain areas of my life? If you don't take a break, how are you supposed to think about those things? Psalm 23, um, I have uh, my sons read this when they say, hey, what, what should I read in Scripture? I, just, I keep pointing back to t- Psalm 23, and it says, The Lord is my shepherd, I lack nothing. He makes me lie down in green pastures, and he leads me beside quiet waters. That's restful, Okay. We were designed to be in the rest of the Lord, okay? That doesn't mean we have to be lazy, but we, we need to take a break, and we can be resting in it. Because when we rest in Him, when we go through those dark valleys and go through those things that are described later on in 23, like, we're assured, we know those things, but we should rest. Okay, so we are renewed by rest. Uh, the next one is we're reminded of hope by Scripture. Someone read uh, Psalm 1, 1 through 3. Psalm 1, 1 through 3. Verse 2, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, and he meditates on his word, okay? We're reminded of hope by Scripture. Sometimes we need that, right? When we're downtrodden, we're in despair, we're tired. It, that's why it's important to be in his truth. That's why it's important to, to understand these things. Now, there's, we can talk about theology and doctrine. Those things are really, really important, but also just from a relational standpoint, it's to be in the word and to know more of God. That's how we actually get rest in him as well, but again, being reminded of him by Scripture. In Lamentation, it says, Because of the Lord's great love, we are not consumed, for his compassions never fail. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness, right? And Lamentations is a book all about lamenting, carrying bitterness and resentment. But we go back to the Scripture to be reminded of his promises. Next one is, you know, we recognize God through prayer. Now, I'm looking through the room right now, and, and I think we all know what prayer is and what, that we should be doing it. Um, you know, we're reminded of the Lord's Prayer. Um, but someone turn over to uh, 1 Thessalonians 5, 16 through 18. 
And while you're looking, you know, again, the Lord's Prayer is, you know, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name, right? That's the first thing we recognize. Like, that's, we recognize God through praying. But we, we also have other ways to do that. Someone at First Thessalonians? Yeah, 16 through 18, uh, chapter 5. Rejoice always, pray continually, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Pray always, give thanks, right? That we recognize God through our prayer. That is part of this cultivating a heart towards God's kingdom, Right? Now, a couple things, too, it, and I always like to remind us, but you know, one of my favorite verses it comes from Matthew 6, 33, and it just t- talks about seeking first the kingdom of God, right? And it's a big reminder of that you know, there are things that are actually falling apart all the time, and, and people are worrying, right, from the Sermon on the Mount. People are worried that, will I have enough? Will, you know, will God provide for me? And at the end, he, he just caps off being saying, hey, if you seek my kingdom first, you know, the kingdom things that are happening here, I will provide for you. That's what he's reminding us. And that, but we recognize that through prayer. You know? And it, it could be as simple as opening Scripture and just praying the Scripture if you don't have words. Actually, I would actually encourage it. Sometimes our words lack something. They can. You know, and a couple of things that, that I would encourage you to do is we go into this new season. You can be praying for our church. You can be praying for one another. If you don't know, you should just someone you commonly see all the time, but you don't know their name, just say, like, hey, what's your name? How can I be praying for you? I know that's intimidating, but, you know, that's also just what happens when you come to a smaller gathering of people. And there's some beauty in that, right? You can come find me and say, what else could I be praying for? There's plenty of missionaries and mission partners that we're praying for. We try to mention them often, uh, but it's good to be reminded of what should we be praying for for God's kingdom work to happen. I would also encourage you, too, to, to, as you're praying and acknowledging God, you should be praying that God would maybe bring someone in your life to, to lift up and to encourage. Or maybe you're lonely and you feel like you're sitting on the outside looking in to say, God, like, I need someone in, in my life to help spur me on, right? That's, that's what we're passionate about, is helping spur one another to grow, sorry, spur one another on to grow in Christ, to continue to mature in him. Um, and I'll, I'll just make this note that, you know, our men's ministry is going to be doing a week-long fast in the middle of January. And, you know, if you're a man in this room or online, um, or if you see an email, man, we invite you to come and fast with us um, and let it be a time where you seek the heart of the Lord. That can be a really good thing. I'm going to invite the, the worship team to come up here. But as we, again, are cultivating our hearts for what God is doing, you know, if, if we do come to him in repentance, again, acknowledging that our ways are not the best ways and that his are the best ways, right? And then, you know, we're called to reflect, right? We, we can start tilling the soil where we see more health, spiritual health in our life. And what I want to do, I'm going to, I'm going to read this passage, but I want to take, invite you to take a moment before the worship team starts. 
leading us? You know, where is it that you need to, to reflect on in your life? And I just brought up three different categories of generosity and integrity and, and stewarding our authority. There might be other things that come to mind for you. Um, or where are areas where you need to repent? Is that something you can take on between you and the Lord? I would encourage you to pray for those things. If you need help being led through that prayer of repentance, I'd be glad to do that for you. And I know that we're in a, a smaller setting today, um, and that can be vulnerable, but I'll just sit in the back so just in case you don't want to like, you know, out yourself. That's fine. But listen to this psalm, and I, and I love this psalm. Psalm 40, verse 3. Sorry, 1 through 3. It says, I waited patiently for the Lord, and he tur- turned to me and heard my cry. He lifted me out of my slimy pit, out of the mud and the mire. He set my feet on a rock, and he gave me a firm place to stand. This cultivation of the heart for new things that are happening whenever is, is that God is giving us a firm foundation. And it's never too late to have that firm foundation. But we need to do those things that I talked about. Verse 3, it says, He put a new song in my mouth, a hymn of praise to our God. Many will see and, see and fear the Lord and put their trust in Him. That's, that's what happens when we say, God, I want you to do a work in my heart. So as we go into a time of response in worship, I'll come back up here. I'm going to read just a few more scriptures. But again, a good reminder, as we go into this nice season of a little break for most of us, that we could reflect and repent. And that we could re- like really seek the heart of the Lord and not be turned by the world. Um, because I think the world is going to keep on coming after us. It's going to keep digging at us. And it's going to keep on making you think that you're inadequate, that it's not enough. Or it's going to shame you that something you did in your past keeps you from tilling the soil, to cultivating the heart that God wants you to, to, to bring you to. Right? So as we respond, why don't you go ahead and stand and we'll, we'll worship Um, Like I said, I'll be in the back, um, but I'll come up here after the first song. Lamentations 3, 19 through 26. So I read that little spot, but I think this just gives some good understanding. It says, I remember my affliction and my wandering, the bitterness and the gall. I, I will remember them, and my soul is downcast within me. Yet this is, this I call to mind, and therefore I have hope. Because of the Lord's great love, we are not consumed, for his compassions never fail, and they are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness, God. And I say to myself, the Lord is my portion, therefore I will wait for him. The Lord is good to those whose hope is in him, to the ones who seek him. It is good to wait quietly for the salvation of the Lord. Now my version on that, you know, his compassions never fail. There's also a different translation that talks about his mercies are new every morning. God is a God that delights in being merciful. He delights when we come to his feet and say, God, I, I need you. Colossians 3, 5 through 10 says, Put to death, therefore, whatever belongs to your earthly nature, 
sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires, and greed, which is idolatry. Because of these, the wrath of God is coming. You used to walk in these ways. Okay, he's, he's confronting a church that says we love him. He said, you used to walk in these ways in the life you once lived, but now you must rid yourselves of all such things. Such things as anger, rage, malice, slander, filthy language from your lips. Do not lie to each other since you have taken off your old self with its practices and you have put on the new, which is being renewed in knowledge in the image of its creator. Listen, as we are looking for a, a season of refreshing and renewal, we get to come in faith knowing that he's not here to hold us guilty, but to free us from the bondage of sin. But you have to come to him. You have to acknowledge those things. And when I talk about cultivating, we, we do that, we need to do that a lot, a lot more than I think we do. We do that in a corporate setting like this. Do it in private. All those things are good. And again, that's what I was talking about, a posture. Having a posture to repent and reflect. Saying, am I living for my flesh or am I living in spirit and truth? I want to just ask you to, to pray, to bring those before the Lord. I want to invite you to say, God, I want to take off the old self and put on the new. Maybe there's someone on your heart or on your mind. You say, man, God, I want that person not to live in the old flesh, but to live renewed in the new self. Maybe that's something you, you need to pray over yourself for yourself. As we continue to worship in song, um, in response, we do have communion. Uh, we have only one cross. We left the manger for some reflection. Um, but we do have communion. And if you call Christ the Savior of your life, we invite you to, to take that. We do have joyful giving. Giving again out of sacrifice, not just out of our surplus. Um, and again, a prayer. Anyone here would love to be praying for you. Um, and I'd love to be praying for you too. I'll be in the back, but as we continue to worship, um, let's just continue to say, God, I want to I leave my flesh. I want to live for you.